Hello and welcome to the first episode of Why Morocco, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to spotlighting some of the inspiring creative personalities who share my love of the North African Kingdom of Morocco. Before we start, my name is Mandy Sinclair, known online as Mandy in Morocco and the blogger behind Why Morocco. On this podcast, I'm inviting listeners to sit back and listen in on the conversations with some of the creatives I've met while living in Marrakesh. It's my hope that you'll leave feeling inspired to pay a visit or motivated to start planning that trip to the Kingdom of Morocco. For the first episode, I'm sitting down with my dear friend Christian Martinez from Centrales Morocco, a bespoke travel agency based here in Marrakesh. I've been in the industry for a few years and having hired Chris to plan an eight-day venture through the south of Morocco, I can honestly say he is the go-to agent for in-depth and off-the-beaten-path itineraries. On a more social level, Chris and I share a love of live music and we're often seen soaking up concerts together, having traveled to Jazablanca and even the Atlas Electronic. But when he's not in the audience, you'll find him behind the deck spinning vinyl. Today, though, he's in the studio to chat about travel in the place we've both called home for many years. Chris, thank you so much for joining me in studio today. One of the things I admire and respect about your travel agency is the amount of time you spend out in the field scouting new properties, new hidden gems. In fact, the trip you planned for my sister and I back in 2016 blew me away as you had surprises for us every single day. So I'm just wondering, what drew you to being a travel agent here in Marrakesh? Well, I think I I always was attracted to traveling and, you know, foreign cultures. And I was managing a few areas here in Marrakesh in 2008, 2009. And so the idea came since we had guests that wanted to go on day trips organized by our hotel. And we used a an external travel agency for that. And I think with time, the idea came to me that we could, I could do it better. And so it, it started from there, really. And so Marrakesh is probably one of the hottest destinations in Morocco for tourists coming, visiting the kingdom. What would you say is the top day trip then for guests coming on a, a weekend getaway? I think, well, I, th- I think it depends on the time of year as well. But one of the most interesting would be to start with the Agafai Desert, which is about a 40-minute drive from the town. And then from there, get over to Lalatakerkust Lake, very beautiful lake. And from there, go up into the High Atlas Mountains. So in the same day, you can see so much. I mean, you know, different landscapes, contrasts, and the Berber culture up in the High Atlas Mountains. And so... As I was mentioning earlier, you were quite an expert on the trip that you planned for my sister and I in the south of Morocco. But what is your favorite area within the kingdom to to discover and travel within? Well, that's that's a hard one. I think my favorite part of Morocco must be south of the Anti-Atlas Mountains because it's such a remote area and hides so many gems. You have areas where the, well, the nomad people in the past centuries were coming up into the anti-Atlas. So you have all these this influences there. And, you know, notwithstanding the century-old granaries, the rock engravings, hidden palm groves, you have natural creeks up in the, the Atlas Mountains. It's now, yeah, it's stunning. 
As a travel professional as well, guests are often surprised at how much time is required to travel around Morocco. So what tips do you have when people contact you with a limited itinerary? What tips do you have really for squeezing it all in on your Moroccan holiday? Well, I think I think it depends on the on the time of the year. I mean, in most of the year, you know, pe- people I mean, if you come for the first time in Morocco, obviously you would want to stick to the imperial cities, you know, Fez, Marrakesh, Meknes, and Rabat, and obviously the Sahara. So that's like Morocco's main draw, I would say. But then if it's your second or even your third time, there's still something else to do every time. I mean, just two years ago, we had this Danish lady coming with us on her third tour, and we were able to organize something for her that was completely new. So no, I think it's... I hardly know of a country which has, you know, more to offer in terms of landscapes, cultures, and diversity. You recently had some bloggers that went to the south of Morocco to do some trekking. Is yeah. that yeah. what's the trekking like? I mean, everybody seems to know Tubkal, but I think that's quite touristic. But you sent these guests on yeah. quite an off the beaten track. Yeah, track. Yeah. What can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Well. It's funny you should ask that because I just went on their blog a few days ago and they have tons and tons of trips they have done all around the world. And describing that two-day itinerary, they said it was unlike anywhere else in the world. First of all, because they said that there were no road signs, there were no indications on where to go. uh, So they really relied on the local guide. And they hardly met anybody during the trek. I mean, except a shepherd girl with her goats, people like that. But yeah, I mean, the, the, it was it was uh, tremendous, and I was very glad to see the the photos they posted and the and the comments. So if I mean, if it, it gave me great pride to to know that they were. I mean, we were able to to organize such a thing for them, somebody with so much experience, and still blow them away. Well, I think that's what's really impressive about what you do because everybody is looking for authentic experiences. It's almost become a buzzword and people some people are just recreating these authentic experiences and we do have to wonder how authentic they truly are. But this sounds like they were truly off the beaten path and really getting in there with the locals. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it depends. You know, there's, there's an extent to which everybody wants to, you know, to have like, authentic experiences. For some people, you know, they care more about their comfort and their accommodations and they're happy to just get invited to say their guide's family for lunch, you know, and that for them is, you know, completely blows them away. Some other people, they really want to go as deep as they can go. So it's, it's, it depends on, on each, each person's, you know, extent of how, how interested they are in the, in the area. But then like when you have people, that tell you at the end of the trip that they've been all around the world and before they came to Morocco, the best they did was the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, but their tour of Morocco exceeded that, then, you know, you can only, you can only feel good about it. And what is it that they accredit to exceeding their expectations? I think, well, I think, well, first of all, you have a culture in Morocco, which is very ancient or let's say archaic 
and it's still it's still here. You know, I mean, obviously, I think in one or two generations, these things are likely to disappear. But if you think about troglodyte people, like people living in grottos and they don't even speak native Arabic or Berber, or you have the nomads still, you know, traveling, changing places for grazing during the summer and during the winter. Just a couple of examples of, of things that you will find in Morocco. And it's it's a paradox considering that it's really so so close to Europe. You know, they, they're being able to maintain these traditions. On the other hand, I think that a lot has to see with being with a driver, which obviously by the second day becomes much more than just your driver because, you know, uh, spending time with them becomes a close friend. And I think that a driver is really breaking or making the, the trip. And, you know, by the end of the trip, I think that that is very, very important aspect of the, of the tour. I would completely agree with you. When my sister and I were on tour with Mustafa, we felt like we had a friend after, well, I mean, by like day two, we were laughing, having lunch together. He was giving us all his insider tips. Like it was just a really nice experience to know that there was that somebody who really did get, like he genuinely cared and looked out for us. And he, we felt like we were actually traveling with a friend through the country. So what is one area you advise all guests must see when they come to Morocco? Well, I think the, the, the desert is obviously something that you wouldn't want to miss in Morocco, but, you know, and obviously that's the, you know, the obvious choice, the obvious answer, but it's not only that it's, you can go to the desert and have a, you know, um, mixed experience. So you have to be really careful how you choose your camp for the night, because now there's more and more tourists coming to Morocco. And some people are waiting years, if not their whole life to to experience this, you know, a night in the desert. So it really has to be special. And, you know, getting the right camp with the right stuff and, and, and all the rest, it's only part uh, one part of the uh, the experience. And the way to the desert itself, it's it's something incredible. I mean, it happens to me that I, I sometimes go on tour with, um, with our guests and I'm there in the car. And when I get to the dunes and I see the dunes, it still, it still moves me. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like thinking in my head, if this is, if this is moving me to this extent, I, I mm-hmm. can't help but wonder how moved are the people next to me. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I think I've been to the Sahara no fewer than five times and every single time it blew me away. But actually one thing I did want to note is I've been to Marzuga several times, but I, when you organized my trip, we went to Urkshagega and I thought that was much more interesting and much more beautiful. And there seemed to be fewer people. Would you agree that that's true? Yeah. Well, it's a different experience because Marzuga nowadays is is a pretty built-up village and the tarmac stops there. So you can actually take a bus from Marrakesh and it will drop you off there in nine hours. Mm-hmm. And at least theoretically, anybody can go. And then also the dunes are literally just 10 or 15 minutes walk from Merzuga, so they're quite accessible. Whereas the dunes of Chicago, you'd need at least two hours to get mm-hmm. to them from the tarmac. And so you really need a four by four and ideally someone to drive you there as well <laughs> if you don't want to get lost on the way <laughs> and uh it's quite a bumpy ride as well so I, it almost feels like after a while it almost feels like you actually had to deserve them 
those dunes, you know. But when they come into sight, I think it's, especially with the sunset and, and everything, I think it's really worth it. But I remember like just touching on the drive when we were leaving the dunes and um, we were driving through the dry lake of San Eriki. Is that yeah. correct? And it was in November when I went with my sister and Mustafa let us hang out the, like, basically like the windows of the car <laughs> and watch the, the views. But what was amazing was it had just rained and there was this, a camel herder with like no fewer than, I would say like a hundred, maybe 150 camels just like grazing through this dry lake. And it was absolutely stunning. And it was just a, a reminder that it's not just about like getting to the dunes to take the time to, to really appreciate the natural beauty and the landscapes along the way. So we had one week, which is probably much longer than most people would have in an itinerary. But how long would you say people need to account to visit the south of Morocco if they're just coming from Marrakesh? Well, I think I think one week is yeah. I think one week is a minimum. I mean, you can do interesting things in one week. Ideally, I would say ten days, mm-hmm. but one week would give you already enough time to get a like a good introduction to to the south and to off the beaten sort of parts of Morocco. It all depends on how you know how pe- how long people have mm-hmm. to give themselves. When I was with my sister, I would it just became clear to me that I would say you're probably one of the more expert travel agents working in Morocco when it comes to travel in the South. We were climbing up a centuries-old granary, completely off the beaten track, cycling, just wandering. You know, Mustafa would stop the car for us. We would wander maybe even like 10 minutes off the main road through this palm grove almost, and we would find some rock carvings. It was just unreal. So I there were just things that I just was not expecting to see at all, much more than beyond the guidebooks. So can you let us in on any other secrets that you might have from the South? That's one of the most important things on any travel is the spontaneity, like creating uh, unexpected experiences. Mm-hmm. Because as much as you want to tell people that they're going to have tea with the nomads mm-hmm. or maybe have lunch with the Berbers or visit a local granary, it's hard to point exactly as to which day or which moment that's going to happen exactly, because that depends on on the local people, you know, and those local people, they're not doing a nine to five. They're, sometimes they are there, sometimes they aren't. So it really depends on that. So there's got to be some kind of flexibility about it, but the experiences, uh, for sure, they, they will be they will be unmatched. And that's that's what's really particular about the South is that because there's been so few tourists going that w- that way, people have not gotten used to to visitors. So there's still a hospitality which is which is intact. And <laughs> secrets I can I can let you on in. I think my well my favorite my favorite place probably one of my favorite places in the south is a small village just in the Anti Atlas where many people don't know it, but I personally think that. The gorges there, they are more spectacular than the gorges of Todra, which get quite a lot of publicity in all the, the guidebooks. To not even mention the not only one, but two granaries. One of them is 800 years old and it's still in use by the local populations. And you go up there with the guide and he will show you how people from the village were able to resist an invasion from the nomad tribes from the desert for uh, as much as three months. Because inside the granary, they had, on top of a mountain, they had even beehives. 
and they were making it possible for the bees to survive there so they can collect the honey and make that part of their part of their diet. Is that the one I visited? No, I'm afraid not. No. Wow. Next time. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, but even the one that I visited, it was quite high up on a mountain, quite yeah, on yeah. a hill, not necessarily a mountain, yeah. but also it was equally as amazing. It was so unexpected. It just looks like this. I mean, you don't know what you're stepping, like all things in Morocco, you never know what's behind the door. And that really blew me away. The one um, with the 300 rooms, I believe. I think that's it. I mean, my sister, I don't... Not that I counted that. <laughs> I don't think my sister was expe- really knew what to expect because her really only, you know, brief was that she needed to ride a camel. So, you know, we well surpassed that. But for me, it was just having lived here for seven years, that was just mind blowing. I had no idea that any of that existed. So a huge like hats off to you for really getting out into the the field and understanding like the secrets behind and just really going for it. How do you then, is it just that you are out in the field, you take the drivers and you just kind of like drive or how do you hear about these? Well, for instance, I became, I became interested in the anti-atlas just walking into a local library in Marrakesh and there was one of these Bolivar. Mm-hmm. And on the cover, there was the photo of this incredible, I mean, I, I didn't know how to describe it. It looked like a fortress just mm-hmm. dug out of stone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, it just, when I saw that photo, I immediately grabbed the book and I, I had to go and I had to, I had to see where, is, where it is. And then it said, the name of the village and it was going to be somewhere in the anti-atlas. And then I looked on a map and it wasn't even on a map. So I had to do some research. And then I found out about this architect in the south of Morocco, which is, uh, she's very committed with restoring these granaries. Apparently there are around 300 of them, most of them in a poor state. And so one day I thought I, I will, I really need to visit that place because it just seemed surreal. And so a couple of years later, I, I managed to find the time and I went there by myself and I, I, I did a visit and it was, yeah, it was really unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And every time I return, I have this, this, the same feeling, but I guess in, in general, I think you just have to sort of, I think if you have passion and some common sense mm-hmm. and you keep your ears open and if you're interested, then things will, will come to you. You know, mm-hmm. the, you just have to, you know, just have to be sort of available. Mm-hmm. And because, as you mentioned, like the hospitality here is like really second to none. What are some of your favorite hidden gems for accommodations? Because I think there's no short, of course, there's loads of riads in Marrakesh, but there were quite some interesting casbahs and accommodations that you selected for my sister and I in the South. Yeah, well, I think the the issue the issue with the south is is that we it's hard to to find people crazy enough to to open <laughs> to open guest houses, uh-huh. uh, you know, of that far away from. Mm-hmm. I mean, like for example, this place um, Darin Fian, which is in Tata. If you're thinking about it, it's a 500 year old house which mm-hmm. is built on the top of a of a sort of hill. And it's the structure is supported by the other houses of the village. So if one or two of them collapse, it's pretty much likely that this guest house will also collapse. Mm -hmm. That makes it very, very particular and unique. But also, I think, you know, considering that you are 350 or 400 kilometers from Agadir or from Marrakesh or from any other major town in Morocco, 
you know, you have to be really, really dedicated to, you know, just open up a place like that and live in that sort of remoteness. Then you really, really have to have a passion for the, for the area and mm-hmm. for what it is to, it, it offers you. Mm-hmm. And what about the north of Morocco? Anything that really stands out there or think that you think is not yet discovered, but should be? I think there's still a lot of, yeah, I think there's still a lot of places to be discovered, even in the north of Morocco. It's so different. It's really is so different. I mean, if you're thinking about Tangier or Shafshaun and you compare it to places like Layoun or, or, or Dakhla or even, even Tarudant, I mean, it's almost like you'd be in a different country. The moment you realize you're in the same country is when you serve the minty. Mm-hmm in uh, all of these uh, places. So okay. then you know you're in, you're in Morocco. Uh-huh. But in the north, I'm still to find the remains of a, a Roman outpost somewhere south of Tangier. Apparently, it, it exists. Mm-hmm. The Oriental, what do we call the L'Oriental, which is the area close to Ujda, closer to the Algerian border, is replete with incredible landscapes. Mm-hmm. It's still very, very, very unexplored at the time. But that's one of the things I find, I don't know if it's frustrating, but I do find it a bit, like everybody flocks to Chefchaouen, to Fez, to Marrakesh, but yet there's all these undiscovered places like what you've mentioned in the South to visit. It's kind of a shame that people just constantly flock there, no? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree a hundred percent because it's like saying, well, uh, the first time you're going to France, you shouldn't visit Paris. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, whether, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, they visit Morocco for the first time. It's also going to be their last, not because they don't like it, uh, mm-hmm. on the contrary, it, but we have such a choice of destination nowadays mm-hmm. that not a lot of people consider going back somewhere, you know, after they visited once. Mm-hmm. So now I would say that both people that are looking for the obvious sort of architecture, history, mm-hmm. and, and the imperial cities are, you know, are rewarded as well as those which are looking for of the beaten track experiences. I mean, you just have to know what your type is. I think you have to know the right travel agent as well. But one of the things I just wanted to touch on is when you're not working as a travel agent, we find you spinning vinyl around town and or quite often at concerts, checking out live music, seeing what's going on. You're quite a music lover. So what are some of the musicians and songs that must be added to a Morocco playlist? Well, that's, uh, that's, that's a difficult one because Moroccan music is very rich. Moroccan traditions are very rich. Because we obviously we had here communities of Jews, Christians, Arabs, Berbers, mm-hmm. Africans, and what I mean by Africans is people south of the Sahara, mm-hmm. Europeans living all living in Morocco, and so all of them they've left their cultural print on the country, and that is reflected in the music. The problem with the Moroccan music is that it's not so documented, mm-hmm. and so I don't have that much choice, unfortunately, in playing Moroccan music uh, on my live sets. But I think what we're trying, or what I'm trying to do, or to showcase in, in Marrakesh, is that my feeling anyway is that music which is recorded on um, physical support, and I'm talking about wax, I mean, records or vinyls, however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. For me, it's music that matters. I mean, we don't, we don't want to be you know, uh, drawn into this elitist mm-hmm. discussion where we say that 
you know, uh, we are so cool because we play vinyl. I don't, I don't believe in that. But what I do believe is that if it's, if it's printed on vinyl, then it's certainly, you know, worth it. Mm-hmm. It's music that matters because I think it's music that resists the, the passage of time. Otherwise, it wouldn't be recorded on, on vinyl. And so I hope that what I'm playing in, in Marrakesh, we're, we're playing all sorts of things from, I don't know, modern pop, European music to Iranian and uh, Brazilian samba. I hope it's it's a place of of confluences of exchanges just like Marrakesh was for centuries. That's all my questions. So thank you so much for stopping by and look forward to new discoveries that you may have around Morocco. Thank you very much for this opportunity. 